Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter back uh, for one final ATG-sponsored episode here on In the Money Media this year. Uh, one last trip for us over to Sweden. It is uh, this coming Saturday, November 18th, 2023. The Swedish Breeders' Crown that does mirror essentially the uh, version we have here in the U.S., of course, of our Breeders' Crown, kind of those end-of-year championships. Uh, the three- and the four-year-old Colton Gelding and, and uh, female trotters will be on display across four different races. So, uh... I welcome in my usual groups, and uh, Mike Probosi is one of them. And Mike, uh, a good-looking Swedish Breeders' Crown card. Uh, again, very similar to our U.S. card. Obviously, though, no pacers and no two-year-olds and olders, just the three- and four-year-olds. That's exciting. Uh, some some different rules, too, I think, with the draws, a little different. So I'm sure we'll talk about the changes. Thomas will give us a lot of uh, good insight to some of that stuff. But uh, very exciting. Big races, big fields. I'm sure big pools. And I'm sure Thomas Fenson, who joins us, was watching some of those eliminations slash semifinals at uh, Sovala uh, last Sunday. And Thomas, we saw quite a few favorites go down in, in those eliminations. Yeah, there was a couple of the big favorites. One of my favorite horses, Fame and Glory. Uh, he lost us a uh, chalk. chalk. Uh, he was a 1-9 to nine and, and lost and was second. So uh, it's like little, not like the same over here when you need to, uh, you, you get to pick the post position after how you get placed in, in the elimination. So you, you you need to be like up there to get a good post. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It's a, it's, a, it's the last big uh, weekend they have in Sweden of the, the big races. Yeah, so speaking of those 2023 major races, we've talked you through all of them here on In the Money Media this year, but just as a kind of quick overview recap, uh, Paralympia Travit, that was Kentucky Derby Saturday all the way back in May. We saw Sam Motour stamp his name in that race to go into Elite Loppet as the favorite, but Honak was able to uh, secure the victory in that race. Norbotan store a pretty Francesco Zett uh, won 16, 17 in a row, whatever it was at that point in time. A sprinter Mostren went to Hustle Rain. The Hugo Oberg Memorial, we saw Hal Mary come back to a uh, victory after finishing, I think, seventh in the Elite Lop final with Okus Fonstead uh, driving in the Elite Lop. Uh, the Albi Stora Prix went to Admiral Oz, which was yet another victory there, along with Jubilee Spokalen, which went to Francesco Zett for Urien Kielstrom, who's won four of our major races this year as a driver. And uh, most recently, Thomas, we went to uh, Sovala, well, the last time we were on together in the middle of, August, of October, uh, and the UAT Grand Prix was our major race, which Barack Face won. But hey, let's start with the UAT Grand Circuit finale, and that was Honek who won, Go On Boy second, France won two, and for Honek, uh, now a perfect year in Sweden, an elite lop win and a Grand Circuit final win. Yeah, he's been like when he, he fits the, the European, uh, like the Scandinavian racing almost a little better than he does on the big track on Vincennes. He fits when he can come up to, to Sweden and, and use the regular American race bike. You're not allowed to use that in France. And they pulled the shoes on him uh, in, in Sweden, and he has been. Uh, it's been catch me if you can, and he, he's just been the best in, in uh, especially the last race. He was very, very impressive, and uh, it would be interesting if if they decided maybe in one time to come to the U.S. Uh, to, to, to try him. That would be cool to see. There is a couple of the European horses who will be interesting to see over here. Well, Mike, speaking of ones we saw over here, the third-place finisher in that Grand Circuit final was Vivid Wiseaz, who we discussed, of course, the possibilities of this horse racing at International September 9th, October 14th, all the way back over in Sovala. But you know what? Uh, those European horses are very versatile. A third-place finish for him. Yeah, and uh, I think we talked about that race, and, and uh, we were sort of against because of the, the travel and things like that, and it turned out that way. But uh, 
sources are tough. I mean, they're they're able to, to go back and forth and big travel. It doesn't matter. They show up on the big days. I thought it was fascinating, like these horses coming over and uh, dominating our trotters over here and then being able to come back and maybe they don't stack up quite uh, maybe as class-wise as they do over here whenever they get back home and, and face the top ones. Um, that was a great card, though. That was very enjoyable. We, we I thought that pod was excellent, too. We gave out a lot of good ideas on that uh, that last pod for that card. Uh, that was uh, – if you listened, you, you definitely made money. And Thomas, uh, in the big race, the UET Grand Prix, the major race for Sweden, we saw uh, Barack face uh, win. Adrian Colgini picks up the win and a uh, very good finish. So several of them coming down to the line there through the stretch. Yeah, I was happy for the Colgini family. Uh, his dad, uh, Lufti Colgini, was one of my idols when I grew up, when he had uh, White and Kronos and Golden Kronos. And yeah, it's been many, many goods after that, Ryan Mirchi. And uh, I'm a good friend with, uh, especially with uh, his. Uh, other son Dante Colgini, he was here for a couple of weeks working with us with the Lucas Wallen, and and Lucas uh, Wallen had Barack face as a two-year-old here in the U.S. and was super super high on him that he had power and everything, but it was a little too early with the speed here, so they sent him home after the, I think in the middle of the three-year-old season, and uh, they develop him to be one of the best horses in the Europe. So and uh, Lisa America, the dam there, she was one of the best horses in. Uh, in Europe, trained by the old uh, American trainer, Jerry Riordan, who go to Italy and uh, is now a trainer in Sweden. So it's ready cash on Lisa America on Barrett Face. I'm, I'm just happy for that family that they just got a big, big win. Hey, Mike, speaking of American connections over there in the UET Grand Prix, our friend Joviality was in there. Unfortunately, made a break at the start in this race, but nonetheless, you know, she, she had a pretty good uh, first year back home there in Sweden after a very good campaign here last year in the States. She was excellent. Uh, won several races and and was second in a in a couple others. Um, and uh, you know she she proved she could do it a lot of different ways up up front, uh, first up, uh, and that's different style over there. But uh, I think she acclimated very well. She was very good when she was here, though. I mean, she was in the top races facing the boys all the time, and and just missed in the Hambo final. And uh, what's what's not to like about a horse like that that uh it's just so game you know top level top class and uh you know brings it every week and thomas uh the other big races on that savala card were of course the criteria that timo normas undefeated trio going into the race and you mentioned as we opened fame and glory the winner that day obviously was defeated in these breeders uh, crown eliminations uh, Adriatica, the winner, though, of the Oaks as well early in, earlier in the day for Timo Normas. So a great day for him. And uh, we'll see both of those horses in these uh, Breeders' Crown races at Eskilas Tuna. Yeah, we will see. It would be cool to see them back there. They're like when Timo Normas went in there in the criteria with three horses, who so all three was unbeaten. But that day, fame and glory was uh, uh, was just better than the all. And he looks, he looks like a special, special horse. Uh, and there was a there was a grinding win by Adritica there that, that, that she didn't look like a winner the whole race but she the last <laughs> the last one sixteen she digged in and and, uh, uh, to, to, and got the got the finish and she she have a this this time she is up against a, in my opinion a beast in the number one East of Degli Day that we're going to talk to talk to her about a little later but it's going to be exciting I have some couple of news that you talked about there with. Uh, your reality. It was cool to see her. That's like uh, I know Karan bought Secret Wolo 
uh, on the Mixel in Harrisburg. So she's going to race uh, race in Europe for Karan. It will be exciting. And Bo Westergaard, he bought, bought Point of Perfect. So we're going to see Point of Perfect. And uh, and I know Killmeister have gone home to Sweden to Karan. So we're going to have some American horses that we're going to follow next year. Yeah, Mike, and uh, I think that's been a really fun part of this year was having horses like Joviality over there. We, we saw Brock Face be a superhero. I mean, there's a lot of horses, you know, as you start to kind of get into this, hopefully our listeners have followed along with us too, that, you know, there, there's not that big of a gap between Europe and America, the International Trop brings some of their stars over, some of ours go over there, Elite Lop Weekend, we've had American horses over there in the past, so it definitely does intermingle at times amongst the horses and the people. Yeah, and it's nice to see familiarity when you, when you see horses that you know. Uh, it, it, it makes, uh, it makes me more interested and, you know, uh, you know, it's familiarity with the horses here coming over there. And, uh, that, that's something that's kind of sucked me in as far as my interest with, with betting these races. And, uh, when you do have that, then it, 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 it helps you like figure out, you know, Hey, what's going on over here? Uh, what can we do? You know, like, uh, can, can I bet, you know, my favorite horses going somewhere else and getting prices. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. So as we turn our attention to the Swedish Breeders' Crown, uh, and I'm sure Thomas can jump in and give us some insight on, on what we're looking at here, but uh, obviously those semifinals, the eliminations were held at Sovala, where we're familiar with post-Elite Lop a, a couple of weekends ago. But Eskilstuna will host the uh, finals there. About an hour or so west of, of Stockholm, uh, opened in 1955 as a racetrack. And Thomas, this is the track that has hosted the Breeders' Crown now since uh, 2008 for these three- and four-year-olds. So it's a familiar home for these end-of-year championships over in Sweden. Yeah, and it is a, it is a track who is like, it's you can almost say it's very central to, to get to for all people in Sweden. You're going to have a decent track when we are like in the end of November on the winter side and stuff like that. You're going to have, it's like you said, the one hour from, from Solvalla, it's not like the coldest place in Sweden. So, but like you said, you check up the weather forecast. It's going to be around a couple of thirty, uh, and like it's a five-eight track, uh, good uh, turns, and uh, no open stretch. I, I like Eskilstuna. It's like a very good track to to bet from. All the horses have gonna get a decent shot. That's like when they go to Jagos Row, you always know that. The leader gonna have a big, big chance to win, especially on a mile, mile races and stuff like that. And then you have Arby with the double open stretch and, and stuff like that. So Eskilstuna is a, is a very good track. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I, I would say Eskilstuna, is like uh, Thomas said, does generally play pretty fairly. But you know, five eight mile track, it's only a hundred eighty two meter home stretch, no open stretch. Uh, so Vala, for comparison, is a two hundred meter long home stretch. So you know, with that shorter stretch, as a result, if we're kind of looking for trends that we're always are doing. You do see the big place to look for at Eskilstuna is kind of what you would expect. It's the leader, the leader winning forty four percent of races uh, there at Eskilstuna. Not a surprise. And uh, so, but when the big money's on the line, you're going to have earlier moves. You're going to have guys taking shots early. I mean, they usually stack up two, three wide anyway. If you watch some of the eliminations, and I know it wasn't the same racetrack, but you know you've seen guys uh, jockeying for position to make sure that they made it in the final. I think you see a lot of early moves and. Uh, you know, a lot of great racing. Yeah, you want to be close, but uh, it's it's not impossible to win from off of it, especially whenever the paces heat up. And Thomas, when it comes to statistics as well, pretty much what we always expect. Post five is the most winningest start for the car start, for the auto start. Post seven for the vault start. Pretty standard stuff at this point to us. Yeah, pretty standard. And and in the vault start in Sweden, you always 
need to be very careful to bet the horses hard from post four and five. They need to almost just throw the horses around in the wall start to do to, to. so it's it's a very high percentage of making making a break, especially from the five hole. So uh, for anybody looking to get in early on Eskel's Tuna action, actually there's a race card as well on uh, Friday, November 17th. That one's going to be at 6.20 a.m. first post time here in the uh, States, though. Nine race card that day. Saturday's the big day, 8.45 a.m. first post time here in the States. That's uh, 2.45 p.m. over there in Central European Standard Time, Daylight Time. I don't know, Ray's, Ray and Ed DeRosa are criticizing me somewhere. Standard Time now. Standard Time over there at uh, Eskil's Tuna. And it's a 12-race card. The uh, Breeders' Crown races go as, I believe, 6, 8, 10, and 11. But we got a couple others we will uh, discuss, including starting off with Mike Probosi's always favorite thing, because we know how much I love the Monte races, 1,640 meters on the auto start. Mike, one last racing under saddle race of the year. What, what do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not very good at this. I, I have to say, I mean, because I think it's more difficult. Uh, but maybe the posts don't mean quite as much uh, because there's there's no bikes so it, it makes a, a little bit of a difference i think the outside horses look look best uh, the eight keep on running the nine locomotive uh both have won two straight and uh you know they're going a lot of these horses have been going longer distances uh this is a shorter race there's a horse that uh was racing at upper levels in the seven uh you know that that now you know goes to you know the monte and uh has made a little bit of money. So th- that was a tough race last time. And, uh, you know, that was a breeder's crown elimination right there that, that, uh, that horse was in. So that mare maybe might be okay. And, and this, uh, you know, with, with the Monte now. And, uh, so another one to look at, I don't know. I, I think this is more for you than anybody else. Well, Thomas, I'm sure you have some opinion on this race as well, even if it might not be your perfect cup of tea. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with Monte races. Uh, I'm always uh, betting on, uh, because there's so big difference on uh, the the jockeys. Uh, it's almost like Tim Tietrich, Dexter Dunn, and those guys is coming to Monticello and driving with those guys every day. There is so big difference compared to the drivers, uh, the jockeys here. So uh, I'm going to be a little fast. I think uh, Mike was right that the horses with the, the outside post have a big shot. But they're like... The problem with number seven, Monskin Tursen, is she's never been racing under saddle. So you never know where she is. But she have the best uh, jockey in Jonathan Carré coming from Goop. So they have, maybe have that, that right at home. And when Jonathan picked the horse, he got an inside information that, that this horse is good under saddle. So I, I definitely think she have a good shot. Uh, number nine, uh, Lokomotive, come with one of the three last in the Monte in cheap classes. There is one horse, uh, number six, uh, Profinitive. Uh, Christina Hunt is a Norwegian uh, uh, jockey who has been living in Sweden and uh, she has been training with the uh, Turbo jockeys the last uh, month and th- th- she is very, very aggressive when she rides and this is just a mile. I think she's going to try to go to the front and just going to uh, go with the horse. So I, I, I would say, say uh, six, seven, nine and maybe number eight, but six, seven, nine, uh, I would uh, definitely think if I'm going to have, have one. I'm going to take a little shot on number six, uh, Profinitive, that, uh, on a mile that she's just going to go with him. See, for me, I'm, I'm going to hopefully uh, add to the Swedish Breeders' Crown bankroll before we get into the big races with, with a little win bet here in this race. And I will take the seven, uh, Mon Skenstisen, which, uh, Thomas, what's the translation? Something with moonlight, right? Yeah, it is. 
it's a it's a Swedish breed or so Monskentusten. Uh, it's yeah, some Swedish mean something they mean about the moon or something like that. I think. Yeah, some sort of moonlight strip, something, whatever it is. But anyway, that's the horse I'll try there. Yeah, you, you mentioned it. Uh, obviously, going to Undersaddle is always kind of an iffy concept. But, yeah, for as good as Jonathan Carey rides horses over there, I have to suspect that, uh, you know, uh, going for trainer Bjorn Goop, he's been given the right information. Hopefully this horse is prepared for this spot here. And, uh, yeah, I, hopefully uh, the price is, is right there and a little bit better post than some of those ones that Mike was talking about from the outside. So, Hopefully the the price is right to take a little stand there in the first, but uh, you know I won't be surprised to see some significant late money come down there, considering just the connections play of that horse. To be totally honest, but uh, hopefully the price is right to get a bet down in there. As we'll uh, look next at the uh, fifth race here, we're looking at uh, a race on the trot, sixteen hundred and forty meters, like a field of ten in here, and uh, this is one of the sweetest trotting league races. Thomas getting towards the end of the year here, some of these uh, top uh, level. Trotters here for the three-year-olds and olders, and uh, how do you see this one? This is a very hard uh, race to start to pick seven with. It's uh, it's not the best horses, but it's like the horses who is like under yeah, the, the, the top quality horses, and it's just a mile. Uh, if if number one comes with ages, if he can protect the rail, I think he have a decent shot to win this race. But number two, Dark Roadster, has been very very good in little cheaper competition, but that horse is can also leave the gate number three chapeau he can leave the gate so it's i have a feeling it's going to be very overpaced uh, in this race we we don't know million dollar rhyme on his a game is a better horse but he's nine years old he need to have a little trip right now to be up there uh, 10 phoenix food is maybe the horse with the best form and best class but he have a he have a, like a he have he can he gonna pick the the uh, Chapeau or number four million dollar rhymes helmets. He's definitely going to get a decent uh, trip, but it's going to be he's going to be far behind. And uh, this race here, I will go deep in this race. If I'm going to mention horses, I think have a good decent chance to win. I will go with number uh, number one comes with age, and number ten uh, Phoenix Photo behind there. I think it is wide wide open. I think there is. I only see number eight Baron Griff gift who is the horse who can't win this race yeah mike so when you're looking at a race like this obviously a lot of different betting directions you could end up uh, you know horses like the four million dollar rhyme all sorts of back class but two for 33 the last couple of seasons but you know when you get races like this horses in form horses with all the back class it really kind of spreads money around and makes for a pretty good betting race but also a tough handicapping one yeah, I think it's a difficult race. I, I went to the three, uh, Chapu, Chapui, Chapui. Yeah, I can say that 10 times. Uh, if you look back earlier in the year, uh, he was 26 to one versus San Montour. Uh, so on May the 6th prior, uh, you know, coming off a win. And, and that was a fast race where he was bet. Now, the last two races since really hasn't raced that well. Got a prep, though, on October 21st. And uh, should be better here. I think Fitz made 76000 this year, 64000 last year. So we know that he's capable. I think the other inside horses are, you know, definitely capable. Also, the two dark roadster, four wins in the last five races, uh, five wins this year. Starting to get good. Now, has to step into this race. But that, you know, horses like that that are sharp. I think are viable in races like this. So no matter the circuit, I think you need to pay attention to horses that are sharp and are winning. The one I think is another one that has the class, has the ability, but disqualified two out of the last three. So that's difficult to gauge. 
uh, but you get Killstrom. That's the top driver. I'd probably use the inside three, but I could see others. And if you look at the the start of that V75, it has a carryover uh, for Saturday. There's already 67,000 in the pool. The money's spread all over the place. So we do look at that. If you go to the Swedish racing uh, website, you can see how these horses are being bet in those multi-leg sequences. Yeah, for me, uh, the two dark roadster that uh, Thomas mentioned a bit, that uh, horse seems to be in pretty solid form as a late, and one that I probably would include here. But the six, that's so cool. That's the interesting one to me. Uh, last time out, Bjorko went over to Norway. Things didn't uh, quite work out there, but uh, that's all the third. The win two back was the race that I was watching, and actually I was betting. I think I had some other horse I liked in that race, but upset Ulti in face, a uh, pretty good effort that day. So. Looking for this one, maybe to take another step forward off of that race into this one. And uh, again, I think is just one of several different directions you could end up in that uh, fifth race on Saturday. But uh, Thomas, as we move our way to the sixth race on the Tunis card Saturday, we get to the first of those Breeders' Crown Championship races. This one is the three-year-old Stallions and Geldings Trotters for 2,140 meters, the auto start. And uh, yeah, Thomas, I guess... Uh, Talk us a little bit through, for our listeners out there might be unaware, a little different system over there in Sweden. How were these posts determined as opposed to here in the States? Yeah, uh, you need, uh, in elimination, all the big races we have in Scandinavia is like, if you get first, uh, if there is a couple of elimination and uh, the winner need to draw, uh, if there are three elimination, they draw one to three, and the first uh, pick of the winners, and then you have the second choice. Uh, who got second in the races, they pick, and the third, and then the fourth. So it is more fair, in my opinion, to do it. Uh, you need to race in the elimination, not just to save your horse if you don't win, and be fifth and, and pick post one. If you get fourth, then you're going to get post eight, or post 12, or post 11. So I think it is a very fair um, uh, method to do it. Uh, and like that, so it's it's also fair for the betters when you bet the, in the elimination races. Like we're gonna have now in Netherlands on on Saturday, we're gonna have the elimination for the Valley Victory and uh, Goldsmith May. It doesn't matter if you be second in that race or third or fourth or fifth. You're just gonna go to the final. Yeah, Mike, and you know, I think uh, I've always advocated we should have similar systems here in the states because you know, take the jug for example, winners get one and two. What if you'd rather post two than post one, and you get a chance to draw first, or you know, if it's the Meadowlands on a big stake, or you know, somewhere like Rosecroft, like the Bank Track. What if you don't want post one? You know, what if you would rather pick post five? Maybe someone would rather pick post one. I mean, I think that's the fairest way to do it. Is just wherever you finish is the order you're going to pick in, and pick where you want to go. Yeah, and here if you win, you you draw one through five. Well, what if you draw the rail? You don't a lot of a lot of tracks. Rail's not the place to be. I, I don't I don't know. I I'm I'm not uh, crazy about the system that we have here. I do agree that it's much more fair over there, and 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 I agree with Thomas as far as it's better for the betters for the elimination races and things. I mean, if we you know our not, I'm not like you know making a cut or whatever you know with but with our breeders crown the elimination some of those races only one horse was being left out of the final. Well, that doesn't set up for very good betting for elimination races. I, I know I don't want to risk a big amount of money on a race that you only have to be seventh or eighth to make the final. That's, you know, look, look what happened, you know, in, in a few of those races where, you know, some horses really, you know, didn't race up to their capabilities and then turn around and race well in the final. So it's a conversation I think that needs to be had and maybe a system that needs to be looked at. 
Yeah, that's another advantage of these uh, races where obviously, uh, you know, top four making it three eliminations, good field, so you know for sure. Even eliminations, still just a little bit different racing going on over there. But, uh, Thomas, the Stallions and Geldings three-year-old trot final here for the Breeders' Crown. The three elim winners did end up getting the inside three, Holcomb's at Caviar from Mine and Bolsa Diablo. But one of those heavy favorites we alluded to losing, Fame and Glory, lost that uh, undefeated record, now six for seven lifetime after losing at a dollar and eight cents in the elimination and ends up in post five for this final. Yeah, going to be fast and easier. Uh, number five, five, uh, fame and glory. He will, uh, he will win this, uh, Brio's crown. Uh, he was sick in the elimination. Uh, they scoped him after the race. Uh, he had little mucus. Uh, they took full blood, uh, on him after. And, uh, they think it was uh, infection that was before the race. Because he is he's sharp now and uh, yeah, he is just much better than this guy, sir. I think he's gonna win if he if he get parked this time, uh, like he did um, uh, like like last time. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's just healthy and fresh. Uh, Fame and glory will win this race. I think uh, percentage wise in the pick seven is perfect. Uh, when he lost elimination, so I'm happy with it. Five, five Fame and glory. So, Mike, I'm not sure if you're agreeing with Thomas and I, but that's also the horse that I'm going to land on. But assuming you're on the same one, I guess the real question is a dollar and eight cents to lose in that elimination. Post five in this final, obviously you got to face the other limb winners, the one you just lost to. But I mean, what kind of price do you think we can expect on Saturday? I'd imagine chalk again, but you know, Thomas gives us a lot of good information there. That's that's information that the the lay person or somebody like me looking at the program. I'm not privy to stuff like that. I mean, most of us, I think, that are betting aren't privy to stuff like that. And then you get that sort of information and and you're you're you know much more likely to forgive a, a race like that because I really didn't like that race. I mean, it, it looked like there was something amiss. It looked like there was, you know, he was sick because he really had absolutely no excuse. And uh, the horse I thought that raced really well in the elimination uh, was the nine. Uh, Nori D. Uh, Quattro uh, raced, I thought, very well, made a huge early move, ended up outside a long way and and ended up finishing second. Now, this was in a different elimination, but, you know, has really didn't race very well against Fame and Glory back in October, uh, but did take a little bit of money in there. Now, you're, you're going to get a price. Uh, maybe might be a, a decent exact partner for the favorite here, especially if he's back to himself. But uh, if not, I think on the win end, if you if you are, you know, not willing to forgive, I think the nine is a, is a definitely a, a sharp horse in the race. And, uh you know, the horse that, that beat Fame and Glory last time, the three, another one that has been racing very well, has won three out of four there, five wins this year. Maybe not the same class as the top horse, but was seven to one versus Fame and Glory there back on October 14th. So somebody thought that this horse had a chance against the favorite there. Uh, another one, if you're looking for alternatives, the three and the nine would be the ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, um, as you mentioned, Mike, obviously this is good, valuable information great from Thomas. It's great for our listeners to be able to hear it. Uh, Fame and Glory makes me more confident on that bet. But, uh, Thomas, what are your thoughts on, on post-position selections when it comes to a horse like the 9, Nori de Quatri, that uh, Mike mentions, their selection of post-9 over post-6? Uh, I think it is. Uh, many of the Scandinavian trainers, drivers, they take 9 before 6 all the time, especially if we only have 5-8 tracks. Uh, and... Uh, Normally, the, the horses who pick the post in front of you uh, from one to five is yeah, it's, it's at least a couple of the favorites. So you're going to be many times hung around the first turn. It's difficult to get a good position when you have six wide if you don't have a very fast horse behind the gate. So 
and nine nine is a good you can choose uh, to have the helmet from one and two and get a decent position and stuff like that so it's very normally to take uh, post nine i've seen some guys take post nine before post five and sometimes uh, before post four too so, Mike, as we uh, move our way along to race number eight, that's the uh, four-year-old Trot for the Breeders' Crown Final. A really expressed decision-maker, Omerazan. Once again, our three elimination winners find the three inside posts. But to the sixth, Jennifer Sisu, here we go again. There was a $1.49 favorite defeated by decision-maker in the uh, elimination. Now draws post six, looking to rebound in the final. Uh, which directions did you end up here? Of course, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to beat favorites all the time. I mean, and that's pretty obvious for me. And and I think decision maker was excellent uh, in that race and really never looked a loser the entire way around. Whereas the, the favorite really never looked like was ever going to you know, get anywhere near uh, this horse uh, too straight. You have goop, you have a, a perfect post, probably going to control the race again. Uh, you know, some of the ones that, that, uh, you know, that, she's facing like to come from off of it so she's definitely going to have an advantage now she could get dogged very early because i would imagine the favorite's going to have to make an early move but i I do think that that horse is is very well meant here and i would be interested in decision maker right now uh is about 12 percent in the the v75 so i mean there's there is some uh support right now the favorite's the three uh omera's on that's 28 percent right now now it's early uh, but Jennifer Sisu, only 15% in that bet. Some others I thought you could consider, uh, maybe not on the win end, but the 12, Kayla Westwood's been racing well, one, two back. And then I thought had a, you know, kind of a tougher trip there in that elimination. And then the nine, uh, Mahala, another one, really tough, I thought, trip in that elimination. Now, has to that had, had Killstrom there, you get a different driver here, but another nine post, uh, I thought, finished up pretty well in that elimination. And not without a chance, especially from off the pace. It could heat up here a little bit, but uh, decision maker for me. So, Thomas, uh, you gave us insight on our last beaten favorite. How about Jennifer Sisu? And any excuses to make there out of that Sovala effort last week? I don't think so. Uh, it's going to be this race here is very hard to handicap. There is many, many horses who can have the right scenario to win. The only thing I don't need to focus too much on is all horses without number 11 is racing without shoes on all four. All four. Number 11 is racing just with no hind shoes. So we're not going to have that decision. A decision maker have stepped up very much. She has been racing the three last races uh, with no shoes, up uh, the two last races with no front shoes, and she has been winning both of them. Uh, she's going to race with no shoes. I think, like uh, Mike said, the decision maker, decision maker, if she can come to the front, she's definitely going to have a, a decent shot to win the race. My, my favorite is number three, Omar Um She has uh, been racing against all those the mares there all the time. She have a good pose. She's fast behind the gate. Uh, I think she have a decent chance maybe to go to the lead. If uh, me- I wouldn't be shocked if they let uh, let her go with decision maker because decision maker is maybe a little better if she can um, uh, race from a helmet. Uh, for Queen Belina is maybe the best horse, but I'm not a big fan of uh, Jorgen Westholm as a driver, as a trainer. He do very very good. Uh, 
he normally use uh, catch drivers, but Shieldstrom is picking number five uh, Carabat Artist for Reden, so that's why Jorgen is driving. He don't gonna get the same speed on the horse like he, like the catch driver does. Um, six uh, Jennifer Sisu is maybe the hor- one of the horses also with the with the best class. She need to go outside of decision maker last time. It's hard to go outside on some of those horses there if you don't have the you have your best day and stuff like that. She was always fast, also fast from the gate there. And one horse I think can be a little decent long shot is number nine Mahala. Uh, she have very much speed in her, so if she can race from a helmet, get little get little luck with the position, she definitely gonna be um, in there when the money is on the line. But this race here. I gonna go deep. Uh, I I can see all six horses from one to six win. I can see number nine win, and I can see number ten win. Yeah, this is another tough race. I agree to come up with. Uh, you know, yeah, Jennifer C. So you know, I feel like as a general concept, I usually am a fan of kind of betting back, beating favorites in the right spots, especially if you're going to be increasing the prices. So you know, Jennifer Cecil was the heaviest favorite of, of these limbs for you know reason based on the form coming into them. Didn't work out last time, you know, horses aren't humans, or horses are animals too, you, know, you never know what, what's going to show up on a given day with them, so if the price is right, I would maybe look for that one to rebound, and I think Mike mentioned 15% right now in the early money, so not even looking to be the favorite, might even be, you know, pretty close there, obviously much higher than the 149 that we saw in that Alim, so that's probably the one I come back to, but if I have to take one of the Alim winners, I probably would end up with Decision Maker, who again did win that uh, Alim with Jennifer Sisu, so uh, that's the direction I ended up in the so Edison, I want to know: Does it does it bother you though that a horse that's such a big favorite, uh, when you know they they race in a, an elimination, even elimination or any sort of race where they just disappoint and there's really no apparent excuse? Uh, you, you the short price in the last time, probably another short price again. What? Why? Why do you so easy to forgive whenever it comes to horses like that? I mean, there's definitely a price that's too short that I wouldn't take to rebound, but. I mean, as I kind of mentioned, I feel like horses are just kind of, I guess, people too is maybe the right word. I mean, you know, they have off days. Obviously, we get the benefit of Thomas explaining, in some cases, why a horse may have particularly been off or, you know, what, what may have been said after the race. But even when we're not told that information, Mike, I just kind of feel like the horse was such a short price in a race for a reason against the same horses they're seeing this time, right? So the horse was already considered to be superior to what they were facing, and if I'm going to get even a better price on the horse to come back and rebound, I'm just going to go on the hope that whatever was sorted out last time is hopefully fixed this time. Now, I'll tell you when I jump off, though, is in theory. I mean, obviously, in this case, they're going to be shelved for the winner right post-breeder's crown. But in theory, if a horse is beaten like that twice in a row with no apparent reason, then there's some bigger issue going on, and I don't want any part of it. But the second time, I personally am willing to come back around, Mike, again, if the price is, is fair. Yeah, I'm more in the camp of uh, whenever they disappoint that badly, then – you know, I, I don't know. It, it's difficult, I think, when especially at this top level, when you have horses that are all firing big shots. Uh, in order for that horse to rebound, b- despite being bet to that point in an elimination race or in a race against other horses that, that they're facing the same ones at the same class, I just I think it's more difficult that the better the horses, the better the harder it is to rebound. So uh, horses that lose at like short prices like that, I I want to make them prove it. I don't really want to take short prices on those kind of horses. Well, the joy of gambling. There's two different opinions that we hold on, on races like that. But uh, let's move to race 10, the three-year-old Mare Trotters. And uh, Thomas, you kind of alluded to it when we started the show. Uh, Adriatica, the Oaks winner, 
uh, might run into a bit of a tough customer from the rail there, Esther Degley Day. Their pair of the elimination winners, and Neta Boko was the other limb winner. And these were three pretty formful, you know, winners that were all pretty short prices too in those limbs. Yeah, like uh, Adriatica, she she is a special filly. She won five or six, and uh, I didn't think she was going to win the Oaks. She didn't look like a winner, but she won. She dig in the last. Be a uh, last uh, on the home stretcher and dig into a win, but at uh, number one, Esther Degley Day. I think she is, I think that this one here is a special horse. Uh, she won eight of nine, she lost one in Wolverga in uh, in August as a big favorite. Uh, the connection is super good, they think they can uh, protect the rail. Um, Ninetta Boko is a very, very nice filly. I like to uh, those three horses here is, is like for me, maybe over. The other ones, I think they are at least a step up. But Esther Degliday is just a fast in the seatbelt, and I think you're going to see a, a special performance. I, I'm super high on this, Philly. Well, Mike, here's one race where you don't have to talk too much about uh, beating favorite trying to come back, because we saw some formful results when it came to these eliminations for the three-year-old mares. Yeah, that uh, if you watch those eliminations, uh, they uh, very impressive, uh, Esther uh, Degladea, she was just basically shown racetrack and engulfed that field and uh, never really looked a loser there. That was impressive. But Adriatica, I thought, now she probably had an easier trip. Uh, she was able to get uh, the front early, really. Uh, that was an easy, easy race, I thought. And uh, that might serve her well here. And especially the way she likes to race. We know her class. Uh, she, This is going to be a good race, I think, between these top two here. And, and I'm not sure you need anybody else, especially in, in the picks. And and, and uh, But it's very interesting to see the difference in styles. And uh, I'm curious to see how they line up and, and when they're going to go at each other because they're both very good, very fast. And uh, I think the trip will make the difference. I, I really do. And, and the fact that maybe Adriatica didn't have to race like as hard in that elimination, uh, could serve her well here. So I think it's those two. If you're looking for a price, uh, maybe the nine Queen of America, who was second uh, to, to that uh, to that impressive winner there, uh, you know, race pretty well up close and draws the nine. Probably going to get lost in the betting here. Could maybe fill in exotics. I thought raced pretty well last time, considering you know her limited uh, you know dates and things like that. So that was one that I thought out of the eliminations. Those top inside three are going to take money. The nine could maybe crack uh, an exactor or a try. Yeah, you know what, uh, Mike, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. You know, whenever Thomas is so determined and, and confident on a horse, it really is tough to go against him. But really I think Adriatic is actually going to be a little bit of the better price than Esther Degley Day. And I don't know, I think they're similar enough to me that I would probably stick with Adriatic. I was impressed with the Oaks win, good-looking a limb win. Five for six this year, uh, obviously, her first year racing. I think she's done it so well. I think it will be a fantastic race between the two, but I think I'm actually going to give the slight edge to Adriatica. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you need a whole lot more other than those two when it comes to this 10th race. But uh, still, I think those two are set to put on a pretty good show, hopefully, for us in that uh, three-year-old mare race. But uh, with that, Thomas, we make our way to the final Breeders' Crown race, and that is the Stallions and Geldings, the four-year-olds on the trot. Uh, bedazzled socks, star Macrow on a fair day. Again, the Elim winners get those inside three posts and a little bit of everything there. Star Macrow, an odds on favorite. Uh, bedazzled socks was five to one in the limb and a $14.82 winner in a fair day uh, was an upset winner in one of the Elims. Yeah, it is a nice uh, race for the boys here. I, I have a, I, I talked about this horse before. He 
he was the Criterium winner last year. Uh, he's got he's gonna race with uh, no shoes for first time, and he trained. Uh, I read an article about Reden talking about number seven Accentus Harvey that he trained him super hard uh, early this uh, this week. And uh, he gonna have uh, he put a Murphy on him. He's been a little crooked on the turns, but after they put them put a Murphy on him, and he was flying. I think it was the the fourteenth of October that when when he was out in the big race, he was flying that when he when he got space in the, on the home stretch. I, I think Exantis Harvey is the best horse in the race, but he is haven't looked like he looked like last year. But I gonna he is nine percentish in the pick seven, no shoes. Uh, I I gonna take a shot on Exantis Harvey this time. Uh, be, uh number one, uh, Bettaslet Socks is the horse to beat in my opinion. Um. Like the horse, he can leave the gate. He, he he's he's one fifteen of twenty six races. So what more? What more can you expect of him? Two star McCrow, I think he's gonna be a little overbet. Uh, I think he need to have a trip to, to win this race. Uh, he can win, sure he can. Uh, a fair day is more like a fairy tale story. It's a little is a small amateur trainer. The the woman who train train uh, train him. She do everything with him, so she don't train many horses. So it's like a fairy tale story. See if number three, a fair day win for Oscar G- uh, Glimman. I don't think he have won won any big big races as a driver either. So I gonna take a shot on Exantus Harvey, and I've been mentioning him before on the podcast. So I hope I'm right this time. Yeah, the same, Mike. When when uh, Thomas mentioned that, it reminds me a lot of Southbound, which I mean, you know, we're, we're gambling show, horse racing world. So some people listening may have read that book. It's Jason Beam's book, and uh, you know, in there, you know, through the gambling tale that we're told, the big loss at the end comes by not betting the horse that you know he's basically followed all summer. Um, and uh, and I think based on the story writing, it's obviously Zenyatta he's referring to in like the Breeders' Cup Classic. Might be a similar story here, Mike, that Xandas uh, Harvey's come across our name quite a bit on this show. So if he comes around and beats us, uh, maybe he should have been on our radar after we've kind of discussed him in some of these nine previous starts he's had this season. Well, and he had an absolute brutal trip in the elimination. I mean, was was very wide and, and made several moves in the race, was lucky to maybe make this final the way – that, that the race went uh that so if you, if you watch that back you, you have to say that it can't get pretty i don't think he can get a worse trip than he had in that race and and now you have a few changes here uh what what sort of price will you get i'm curious uh, i thought that the uh, star macro raced really well in that elimination and and uh was was outside a long way and just kept digging i mean he's faced top ones too i mean look barack face uh you know he's he's danced some dances now you know, he might not be quite as good, but on his day, I think that he's capable. Uh, a fair day, I thought, locked into a you know, another win in that elimination there. Uh, just ended up in that right spot. There was a lot of chaos behind him. and uh, But, you know, he got it done, and he's 11 for or 8 for 11 so far this year. So how do you knock a horse that likes to win all the time? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that this is a wide-open race. I think that there's plenty of ways to go, and, and Tripp's going to get it done. Even the 10... You know, despite the post and things, you know, that's another horse I think that maybe might be able to sneak into tries, uh, bad post. You're going to get a huge price there. Uh, another one that, again, we're looking for prices. That that was one I thought maybe could sort of get a trip and maybe grab a third or a fourth there if, if you're interested. Uh, good race. I t- took the two on top. I definitely could see the seven off that bad trip. And then uh, it's wide open from there. 
I, you know, Mike, I, I'm with you. I ended up with a two on top. Star Mac Crowell is probably going to be the very kind of slightish favorite to probably have those inside three by the time we get to post time. But uh, I think the seven Xanthus Harvey is now an include for me. I mean, I think Thomas made the good case. We've been following Swords for a while. Not only the tough trip there, I mean, he's had a lot of tough posts and trips and the races it seems like we've talked to him about. And to be fair, here's another post seven attempt in a Breeders' Crown final. But uh, yeah, he might uh, be an include for me as well by the time we're all said and done here. But. Uh, Nonetheless, a good look from us here at the 12 race card at Descals Tuna this uh, Saturday, November 18th, uh, the 2023 Swedish Breeders' Crown. And uh, yeah, Thomas, we, we mentioned at the beginning there what we looked at. It uh, looks pretty good there. 30 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, just below the freezing mark, sunny skies. By Swedish standards, good weather, right? Yeah, it's good weather and it's like located good in Sweden. It's, it would be worse if it was in north of Sweden you, where you need to have spikes in the shoes and they have heavy winter. So. And it, it is a perfect place to, to, to run the Raiders' crown. Well, Thomas, uh, as always, we thank you not only joining us now, but, uh, gosh, all the way back to the Elite Lob show we did together, the first one ever at the end of May. Uh, we thank you for your great expertise to us here on In the Money Media and ATG uh, sponsoring these Swedish shows this year, and uh, hopefully we can get you back next year. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm ready to talk uh, harness racing and horses and betting every day, so I'm just happy to be here. Hey, Mike Rabosi, uh, you as well. I, you know, I think we, we got you up at 6 a.m. on some uh, elite lop days uh, to pay attention to this racing, and I think you've taken a good liking to it, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back next year as well after we enjoy this uh, Breeders' Crown weekend to finish it out. Absolutely. I was, you know, I was sort of like, I uh, would, would bring my eyes to, to the elite race every year just because of the buzz it got and, and things. So, But this year, I'm, I'm much, much better into this racing, and uh, I, I do think that... Uh, Going forward, we're going to have an expanded role in covering it. It's it's very much worth your time, especially if you love harness racing, you love good horses. Uh, it would really be nice to start to get these multis over here. It would just make a whole, I think, new dimension for, for all of us that like to bet this kind of racing and give us a chance for scores. That's what we're looking for. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic opportunities coming up this weekend. And, uh, you know, really all season long, even throughout the off season from uh, November to May uh, of racing before we get back to these major races, a very good racing daily over there in Sweden. So plenty of great big pools for you to play into, great betting opportunities. So hopefully you enjoy the Breeders' Crown this weekend and continue to play throughout the off season. And uh, we'll certainly look forward to chatting with you more in the future here on In the Money Media as part of these ATG-sponsored uh, Swedish racing shows. And the only other thing on the agenda for In the Money Media for us on the harness side of things here in 2023, it's the FanDuel Championships at the Meadowlands next to Saturday, November 25th, 2023. So uh, I think we've got a good pe- panel ready for that uh, next Wednesday at like 8 p.m. So it's your opportunity to listen into that before you're, as you're making your kind of Thanksgiving preparation. So hopefully we can uh, provide you one last good show for 2023. But as always, thank all of you for tuning in to uh, the Swedish show throughout the year. We hope wish you the best of luck this weekend in the uh, Breeders' Crown and hope all your bets are winning ones going forward. And we'll talk to you later here on First Over with Edison Hatter.